So just like we did this morning, I want to invite you to talk to Jesus with me. Okay? We'll just take literally 60 seconds and talk to Jesus. I want you to talk to him like he's sitting right next to you or standing right next to you. Well, speak to him intimately, you know, not professionally. <laughs> We're talking to Jesus now. Just tell him something. Tell him something. Maybe it doesn't even, maybe it's something you wouldn't whisper to anyone else, you know. Jesus, I, I love you. Jesus, what's wrong with my mother-in-law? Jesus, thank you for my life. Jesus, help fix our dog. You know, just something intimate, something that, you know, matters to you, really. I mean, really matters to you. Why don't you tell him that? Because he's here, and I believe he wants us to talk to him. I believe he always wants us to talk to him. Well, Jesus, thank you for visiting with us. Thank you for being here. And we know you're not in a hurry to, to be anywhere else. So we're grateful that you're with us. We are grateful to you and for all that you do. Thank you so much for your presence. We are so glad that you are with us. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Okay. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about incredible possibilities. Incredible possibilities. Quite a simple concept in my mind, anyhow. And uh, for those of you who were here earlier on, see how simple it was. But actually, for me, quite profound really, really profound, the idea, the ideas we're going to glean in a moment. See, open with me to Colossians chapter 1, and we'll, we'll come and read it in a minute or two. Preamble. I, I love Bible prayers, so we're going to a Bible prayer. I absolutely love Bible prayers. And the reason for that is because I feel they are safe. They're absolutely safe. In fact, I base a lot of my prayers around Bible prayers. Uh, if you say, let's pray now, and I start to shape what I'm praying, it's, it's invariably going to be shaped around some Bible prayer or another, because I, I, I think they're safe. Um, and they, they have been designed or, or written, shall I say, and shared with us by apostles of a lamb, as those who walked with them. And we have included in that the apostle Paul, who also actually walked with them um, in a dimension that many of us are still kind of in awe of. And we've seen glimpses of that. We've experienced some of that. But of course, he held a, a kind of special ministry to instruct the church and to tell us how to do life well. So these prayers are safe. The second thing is that you will hear me repeat this a number of times this morning. Is that these prayers were prayed repeatedly. And constantly, they were prayed repeatedly. You say, how do you know that? Because when we get to it, you see it. It says, we cease not to pray for you. And in many of the prayers, actually, they, they, they say that. We always pray for you. 
we cease not to pray for you. Now, at the very least, there will be a measure of constancy there or regularity. Even if it's infrequent. Well, I reckon it's, it's frequent. But if you want to say it's not frequent, there must be some measure of regularity for them to say, we cease not to pray for you. So, it, it's, it's going to at least be once a week, right? Maybe, can I have anything over once a week, twice a week? Anybody going to give me three times a week, three times a week over there, four times a week? No, four, five times a week? No. Well, it's got to be something like that. Maybe once a day. Yeah? They kept praying it. Okay? So, these prayers are safe. They were prayed constantly. They were written for us. I think, I also believe that they've been tried and tested by these guys. So, they're safe. Tried and tested. Now, the Apostle Paul is the guy that we know that at least on one occasion... He besought Jesus three times. He said, please take this thing away from me. Whatever that thing was. He prayed and he asked. And he heard God say to him, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. So, if God didn't want him to keep praying these prayers, he wouldn't have carried on praying these prayers and would not have written disingenuously that he does not cease praying for them. Okay, so we have to make certain assumptions here that he meant what he wrote and he was telling the truth. And there was no reason for him to have stopped and so he kept on praying. So the first thing I want to commend you to, if I forget to say it along the way, is please keep praying. Keep praying for somebody else. Keep praying for yourselves. Base them around Bible prayers, but pray. Now, I'm not going to presume to, to know why God always wants us to pray. Well, I could preach a message or two on it. But I'm not going to presume to know everything. But I know he does. I know he does want us to pray. He wishes to have that communion with us in a place of prayer. He wants us to interact with him in bringing to pass... A lot of things that he's already foreordained, actually. There's some things that he said he's going to do anyway, but he wants you to be part of it. He wants you on his team. If you were, I don't know if anyone was like me in primary school. Nobody wanted me on that team, <laughs> on that football team. I'll tell you, the goal is there, and I kick that thing, the ball goes there. Wow. Nobody wanted me. But God wants you on his team, all right? He wants us on his team. He wants us on his team. So, using one of these prayers, I want to offer you a higher vision of life today. A higher vision of life. More noble aspirations. You see, we, we all got a life to live. Lagos, UK, North Wales, London, New York, wherever. Everybody's got to live somehow. You've got to pay the bills. And there are many bills. <laughs> but, hey... I'm not stressing over that. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. But, you know, there's something a little bit higher than that mundaneness of life that we really need to aspire to. I, I want to challenge us with a bit, just a teaser of some, some sense of that today. I want to attempt to help somebody recalibrate the ideas of what to pursue in life. Or shall I say how to pursue it? Just from one of these prayers, yeah? Okay, let's look at Colossians 1 which we should be at by now. Okay. 
pick it up from verse 9. Verse 9, take up some pace now. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. There you have it there. We have not ceased to pray for you. Since a certain day, we heard of something. We're not going to backtrack and look at that. We heard of something, and since that day, we started praying for you. Okay? And this is what we pray. We pray and we ask that you may be filled. You may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Knowledge of his will. A certain kind of knowledge in a certain kind of shape in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk. So that purpose so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the father now some translations actually stick joyously on the left side of the semicolon so it goes uh, steadfastness and patience joyously and then it says, giving thanks to the Father. Whichever side you stick it on, joyously exists there, okay? Joyously giving thanks to the Father. Who has done what? Qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. For he rescued us. This is how he qualified us. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. He rescued us, okay? We didn't swim to shore. That's very tempting to go sideways there. But he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, walk with me. It's sort of a slow walk on purpose, okay? I want to talk to you about incredible possibilities. Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, they're very similar Bible prayers. You compare them, they're very similar in terms of content and structure. Um, they both prayed repeatedly. Okay? We do not stop praying for you. We pray for you always. We do not stop for you praying for you. We pray for you always. I want to emphasize again. Pray always. Keep praying. You may have heard somewhere along the line that once you've prayed about something, just give thanks and carry on. I actually want to say no. I want to say keep praying. Keep talking to God about it. And in so doing, in that place of communion, he will shape your prayers anyway. If your heart is truly open, and we'll talk a bit more about that, he will shape your prayers. Like some things I used to pray about two years ago that I'm still praying about now, I pray about them differently. The prayer has been shaped and, mod and remodeled. And no doubt by next year, they'll be shaped and remodeled again. Until he says, stop. Or I see the result that I'm looking for. And I believe that is the, that is the, the, the point. That, uh, that is what is being communicated here in these consistent prayers. Again, these prayers are predicated on the believer's faith in Christ and the love for the brethren. These particular two prayers. And some other ones if you, if you, if you go search for them. In Ephesians chapter 1, we see in verse 15. Apostle Paul again, he says, For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists amongst you, and your love for the saints. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, 
says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. And in most places in the New Testament, where you see somebody referring to the faith in Christ Jesus, it always comes hand in hand. Not always, in most places. It comes hand in hand with your love for the brethren. And so, I couldn't just skip that and go into the meat of the prayer. Because he says, it's because of this reason. For this reason, I pray for you. So it's important for us to consider what is so motivating. What motivates these prayers? Faith, we all know about faith, right? Faith comes by hearing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I want to emphasize this love thing. We can't go into, into great detail, but I want to emphasize this love thing. Love for our fellow saints is crucial. The willingness to expend myself on somebody else without the need for repayment. It's absolutely crucial. We're growing in it, but I want us to have it as a goal. The interesting thing is, it was already being manifested to such an observable extent. For this apostle to say, because I have heard of your faith and your love towards the brethren, I am also praying for you like this. He was already seeing it. He was already hearing about this going on. The question for me is, how well am I doing with this love? First John 3 says, we know that we have passed out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren. This is how we know. You know that you know that you know you're born again, yes. But how do you know? This is one of those few verses that tell us how we know that we have passed from death to life. You remember Leon Patillo? <laughs> you don't have to jump no cues. Run down no aisle. No chills run down your spine. But you know that you've been born again. How many people know Leon Patillo here? If you know Leon Patillo, then you're about my age. Which is beginning to surprise me. <laughs> because it's been surprised. Yeah? It's, it's, you just know. But how do we know? Because we love the brethren. It's a litmus test. It's a litmus test. How are you doing with that? Could you actually look at the mirror and say, I love the church. Really? I mean, yeah. I love the church. Jesus said, by this all men shall know that you are my disciples by this. By what? If you have love one for another. John chapter 13. So I couldn't just skip that and go on to the prayer bit because it's important that we know the basis on which we can carry on with this prayer. We love the brethren. We really do. Okay, here's my summary. Four statements. Four phrases, actually, about what this means. To love the brethren. To belong to, to belong with, to be responsible for, and accountable to. Yeah, that's four. <laughs> My thumb gets in the way sometimes. It's like, what? Yeah? 
to belong to. You can belong to something, but not belong with it. Right? But to belong to it and to belong with it. Quick example. I belong to my wife. Right now, I'm not with her. And I could make a decision not to be with her again, which I will not do. I'll keep her. Yeah, you can tell her that if you know her. She's a keeper. So, (laughs) I belong to her. I belong with her. Responsible for and accountable to. This is true love. You don't got to like the person. I feel like emphasizing that as well. You You don't have to. In the sense of, listen. We like different things. Evidently. Personalities will come into play. Background, upbringing. I like vanilla. You like chocolate. We're never going to eat in the same ice cream parlor. But I'll pay for your ice cream. Trivial example, I know. Okay, let's move on to the praying bit then. So it was prayed constantly and repeatedly. As I keep saying constantly and repeatedly. We need to keep praying. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. Keep at it. He prayed and he said, we pray and we ask. So I'm going to look at a few words now in this prayer. Look at some words and some sentences, their meanings, and how they contribute to the whole picture that we're supposed to form. This incredible possibility image. Asking. He said we ask. To ask is to beg. To ask is to plead. To ask is not to command. Two different things. It's the seeking by the inferior of the superior. Even the most established person, when Sir Alan Sugar was receiving his knighthood, he still bowed to the queen. Showed some deference of inferior to superior. When we ask of God, we ask as people who, who are not saying we have rights. We don't come to God with rights when we're asking like this. We're begging him. And this is why it makes it a possibility, incredible possibility. We're asking of him. Make a bit more sense in a second. As I said earlier on in the first service, if my son... Ask me for some things in the same way I've heard one or two fellow believers ask God for some things. All he will get is a slap. And then time out. And then I will starve him for two days. His mother will go back to her father's house. Will return the car. Everything will unravel. Right? (laughs) But, But you get my point. You don't come to God and demand things. I know there's some schools of thought that believe. You, 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 don't, you don't stamp your feet with God. I remember the first time my daughter tried that in a public place. So I want that. No, honey, you've got your home already. You have your home. I want it now. No. Ah! Short, sharp, shock. She never tried it again. You don't demand like that. It's the apostle saying, we beg on your behalf. 
we beg on your behalf. Philippians chapter 4 says, by prayer and supplication. This is how we pray. Just before we get into the whole praying thing, you're coming. You're ready to bend the knees, bend the heart, bend the will. You're ready to bend the will to God. So that if he says, okay, let's reshape this thing. You're actually ready for it to be reshaped. You're not so bent on your own will. That's not what this prayer is saying. It's prayed constantly. It's prayed repeatedly. But it's not about your will coming to pass. It's about, yes, begging for your desires. But it's not really about your will coming to pass as we'll discover in a minute. Okay. The next thing I want to point out to us is the copious and complete nature of the requests and expectations. Copious, plentiful, complete. It is just total. Let's go to that um, scripture again and note some words. Something in the, in the language. Go back to verse 9. For this reason also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased. That shows me that something's happening a lot. We have not ceased. We carry on doing it. There's a lot going on. To pray for you and to ask that you may be filled. Be filled, saturated, overflowing, permeated, infused. We'll come back to that in a minute or so. Be filled. Can you see? Plentiful stuff. The language here is copious. If you will pause, read it slowly, and just soak it in. Treat it like a letter you're... The person you're wooing is now writing to you. Finally, they're responding. Finally. I don't know about you, but there's certain responses that I wait for eagerly. I send something off and, and the email comes. Bing, I say, oh, is, is that them? Is that? And then you, you read it. It's only one paragraph, but I read it like eight times. I'm reading every nuance, every, every tone. I'm reading every word. Could he mean, is that what he really, that, uh, might he possibly? And when I'm not even sure, I bounce it off somebody else. So come and read this with me. What, what is it? That's how we ought to read some of these things. So you see the copiousness, it's there. I cease not to pray for you, to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all, all, in all, not some. You know you can skip that all and still make sense with that sentence? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that would still make sense. He didn't need to use all. But you will see that it's something you're meant to do because it happens again and again. Except it lost it entirely. Hmm? Filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner Worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every. Complete. All. Every. How much more complete can you get? In every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing. Multiplication, acceleration in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all 
power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. You see what I'm saying? All, every, all, every, all. Incredible possibilities. Pause with me for a few seconds now and think. What if? Just what if? Big, large, looming if. What if he actually meant everything he said, he wrote? What if the apostle actually is convinced, tenaciously convinced, relentlessly convinced, unrelentingly convinced that this was going to happen. Can you just imagine all of this happening to you? That's what I mean by incredible possibilities. I, I mean, I, 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 I try to pray this every, pretty much do everything I preach, okay? Um, I try to pray this every day. I might miss one or two days. But sometimes I only get to the first sentence and then the second. I think, wow. Wow. Let's see what today is going to do then. Let's see what's going to happen today. Let's see what's going to happen today. And some days I've been absolutely flabbergasted at the amazing wonder of what happens to me. My life is not what it should have been. I promise you. I promise you. copious, complete. This is the aim. The target is saying this is what I want for you. And in praying it so often, he's saying this is what I believe can happen to you. And I take it as the word of God that it's possible. I said, I take it as the word of God that it's possible. That you've just got to tweak your believer a little. See, I, I, I love beautiful stories. I, I love magical stories more than, not witchcraft stories now, <laughs> necessarily. But I love magical stories. I love things that are wonderful. Iyanu, you know, I love Richter's. Where you're, yeah. You just think, what the heck just happened? Beautiful stories like that. I write some myself. I, I love the ideas. I live in a world in my mind, in my head, of the, of the crazy going on. Like I said earlier on, I live in a world where apples, apples, apples give birth. I live in a world where molten dragons hang by their tails of golden trees. I live in a world of, you shall not pass. Anybody know where that's from? Lord of the Rings, thank you. I live in that world. That's, that's, that's where I thrive. The world of incredible possibilities. The world of goblins, of dwarfs, of wow. Are you kidding me? It's like God talking to Job and saying, have you considered the Leviathan? And then spends a whole chapter and a half describing the Leviathan to Job. Uh, by which time Job is like, I'm sorry already. 
Hey, I'm sorry. That's the world I live in. A world where reptiles breathe fire. And their skin is impenetrable. Incredible possibilities. Give yourself a chance, please, of the impossible happening to you. Because the Apostle Paul, and by implication, God, gives us a chance of the incredible happening to us. So, since all these things will happen, but now let's pick on some more words. We've looked at us, we've looked at copiousness. Filling, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. To fail is to overflowing, truly. But it's not just about filling a vessel to overflowing. It's also about completely saturating or permeating a fabric. So I could demonstrate it here, but I'll probably make a mess. So let's not do it. Huh? So we could, we could pour water in that glass and I could chuck this in it and I could say, who has some dye in them right now? And those of you who carry all your haberdashery stuff around, you'll bring out some dye, we'll chuck it in the water and this will be all dyed up. It will be soaking, but it would have changed color as well. And we'll probably never be able to change it back to white again. That's what we're talking about, filling. It's an infusion. To be filled with the knowledge of his will is to be infused with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Not natural or logical wisdom or understanding necessarily. Although they could overlap and one could be subset of the other. So don't always throw away natural wisdom. Two plus two will generally be four. Even in the world of magic. <laughs> generally. Yeah? Okay. So it's looking for us to be filled in such a way as to be changed. And he keeps praying this every day for these guys. Fill him, Lord. Fill him. Fill him, oh God. Saturate them. Permeate them. Infuse them, God, with the knowledge of your will. Oh God, shape them. Oh God, give them a reason to change. Oh God, I'm begging you. I'm begging you for these people. They love you. They have faith in you and they love each other. Do this for them, will you? Do this for them. I believe this can happen for them. Wow! And that begins to happen. Can you not see life becoming incredibly different? Let's look at the next word that I consider important. The knowledge of his will. Now, they go together. Knowledge, not merely information, however factual or truthful. It implies the active interaction of the knower with the object of knowledge. It is apprentice knowledge. We're not just talking about library academic knowledge here. Pull your ticket. Go to the library or Google. Oh, who goes to the library anymore? Do people go to the library again? <laughs> Except if you're on campus. Even then, Google is our go-to. Or Yahoo if you're still there. Knowledge is not talking about that life. It's interactive knowledge with the object. It is master-apprentice interaction kind of knowledge. Where a master is teaching you something. And it's not the, uh, uh, the, the nonsense apprentice. Of. 
not the, okay, six weeks of rent, I'm gone. I'm starting my own shop. You will not do well. Stay there till the master says you're ready. That's what's being talked about here. That kind of knowledge. So we need to stick with God. We need to, I like, I like, Pascal shared something with me several months ago about the difference between inquiry and inquiry. I may have shared it with you all as well, but it stayed with me and I went back straight to check it out, as we do. <laughs> wink, wink. Check it out. I thought, flip. He's telling the truth. OMG. You know? <laughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, we need to stay with God. He describes some of the things I've been doing already anyway, but now he, he's given me articulation for it. So I'm thinking, yeah, we need to we need, to, we need to inquire of God. Not just inquire, but start an inquiry. Start, you know, sit him down and question him. Say, God, what's wrong with my mother-in-law? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying something somebody wants to say here. I actually love my mother-in-law. She's great. I love having her around. I mean, I eat better. Uh, don't tell Margaret. I eat. I mean, she'll iron. She'll do anything. I mean, I love my mother-in-law. But somebody here has been asking. Must have been asking because it's just bouncing on me. My mother-in-law. That's how we give words of knowledge here. You know, it's like take it or leave it. God's on your case. The will of God. So that's the kind of knowledge we're talking about. We need to inquire of God. It's the kind of knowledge that shapes me. And I must come with a readiness to be shaped. Okay? Now, I spoke earlier on about, about sitting under a master craftsman. It's, still, it's years now and a wood, wood, wood worker. Uh, but it, it stayed with me. I finished two out of three projects. The third one is still at home. The table and the feet, I haven't put them together. But, but the things I learned in nine days were amazing. Incredibly amazing. Some woods, you just, there's some things you can't do with certain wood. It just won't work. I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't with them. Now imagine I was setting out to be a craftsman myself, and I didn't have that knowledge. We need to sit under a master and ask the questions. Why isn't this plane moving? Why isn't the chisel cutting properly? Why isn't my saw cutting? Why is it always wanting to go left? Left. And the guy came and he said, no, there is a way to use a saw. Number one, you must know how to sharpen the saw. Number one, you must know how to use it properly. Number one is not by power of might and a few other number ones. So that knowledge is crucial. Now, the knowledge of what? The knowledge of his will. Are you with me? The knowledge of his will. This will, and this is crucial, is the will of God. That's why he says the knowledge of his will. I know it's self-evident. But we're not praying per se for our will to be done. When you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the apostle prays that for these people as well. He said, Lord, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. This is not because it feels they're deficient per se. It just feels like they have a destiny that they need to fulfill. And that destiny is in the will of God. In this particular case, in this context, the will of God is the executive will of God. It is what he has ordained will happen with or without you. Like I was saying to somebody earlier on during the break, I said, if a security man came in here right now, or you're in a bar, or you're somewhere, and a security man came and said, sir, I need you to leave this place. Be sure that you will leave one way or another. So, you will leave one way or another. It has been determined that you will exit that premises. God determines some things and invites us to walk with him. He will do them. Now the tension that most of us feel in life most of the time, myself included, of course, firmly in the middle. The tension, the stress most of us feel is that we don't know what he's doing. So we're constantly pulling, pulling from him. Stretching that band as far as it will go. You know, thank God he keeps us, he keeps us anyhow. And we'll make up for our faults and our errors and our mistakes and lack of knowledge. But the easiest place to be is without tension. Here, let me help you. Choose the path of least resistance when it comes to God. So when this guy's praying, Lord, I'm begging you, do this for them, do this for them. It's the executive will of God he wants us to be filled with. God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And it's possible if it were, I don't even know how, if, it's, if it weren't possible, he wouldn't be praying it. I'm convinced about that. Especially not praying it continuously without season. He should have discovered somewhere along the line that, ah, this thing I've been praying for the last six months, it's not possible. Let's stop. Uh, or perhaps he discovered that after writing the letter. Because I could hear all kinds of uh, rational thoughts going on in there. Don't worry. I studied philosophy and I'm still studying philosophy so we can kind of banter together. I'm in there with you. Oh, maybe he repented after writing this. I've actually kind of heard a minister say, the Apostle Paul missed it in some ways. But let me not mess your day up. So, I, I believe it's possible. Therefore, the knowledge of his will, therefore, frames my hopes, adjusts my desires, informs my aspirations, and also, very importantly, correctly interprets my current situations and my history. Yeah, it's a convoluted statement. But it says everything I want to say. The knowledge of his will will frame my hopes. I am the one who will change, not him. When I am filled with the knowledge of his will. 
I am the one who will adjust my desires when I'm filled with the knowledge of his executive will. Because I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I might as well change my desires to match his. So that easy road and guaranteed success. Why do you want to pain yourself for no reason? It's one of the reasons my hair is still black up here. It's very hard to get me stressed. It happens. It's difficult. But this, this is genetically designed. It, it, yes. I asked God for it and it came. It's to match some of my other clothes. It informs my aspirations. What God wants becomes what I want. What God wants to happen becomes what I aspire to. Now, I didn't say this in the first session. I want to say it now because I've got a bit of time to play with. That could be a little bit of a painful process, that adjustment period. Hmm? Because what God wants to happen should become what I aspire to, irrespective of the reward system that may or may not be attached to that aspiration when I start living it out. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that and all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, and so on. And we love that scripture, don't we? Especially when we've messed up. <laughs> Especially when you've been a rude, you know, ignorant person and you just want to excuse yourself by saying, all things work together for good. Somebody needs to beat you. You know, but my point is, my point is this. If you truly believed that scripture in the context in which it is placed, which is again about God doing what he will do, yeah? He has foreknown you, predestined you, called you, glorified you, and justified you. You didn't call him, he called you. You didn't even call out to him, he called you. Right? If we believed that, along with this, we will realize that it's not about what sort of reward system is attached to the aspirations that I then pursue. You, that's what drives us to the hard places. In fact, that's what drives some of us to the difficult places. Because we know, A, that's what God wants to do. And B, we cannot fail at it. Are you with me? I just, we can't, I can't fail. I say that to people. I say to my family, I, I, I can't fail. Someone says, fail at what? Aha, that's the real question. Fail at what? Fail at what God says I should be about. The knowledge of his will. I can't fail. This thing's been fixed. He can't fail. It's his executive will. He's ordained it. It will happen. Therefore, if I'm on board of it, I can't fail. That may mean I move house. That may mean I change jobs. 
That may mean not changing wives or husbands. That may mean I do all sorts of things. But I can't fail. The knowledge of his will. When you've got stuff like that happening to you, changing you on the inside, what is left to bug you out? No, seriously. I've said it here before. I go to Kaduna every year. Even during Boko Haram worst scenario, I was there. Ministering with a friend, helping out in the orphanage and stuff like that. I don't care. Knowledge of his will guides me. I can't fail. A bomb went off about uh, in that next building once when I, and I was supposed to go and preach just next to that place. And I was here. I said, where's the driver? I said, boom. Wow. Ain't that incredible? And over the next 24 hours, there were thousands of bodies littering the streets. I saw them. Everybody was calling, Femi, my mother-in-law. Was, oh, Femi, don't die, oh, Jesus. I said, I'm coming back home. And if I don't, hey, I wouldn't know about it. Knowledge of his will. Why did I take that detail there? I wanted us to know that. Even the apostle Peter says, after you've suffered for a little while, 1 Peter 5.10, it says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So there's a little suffering to be done sometimes. And why is it called suffering? It's simply because it doesn't go well with our natural dispositions. It's not because it's not good for you. Can you see the difference there? It's also about how you interpret some of these things. Right? It's not because it's not good for you. My daughter didn't like her green peas. She considered it suffering to eat her greens at the table. But it was good for her. And she did eat it. Because it was going to be the very next thing she ever ate in my house. I told her that. And she ate it up quickly. <laughs> That's just a tip for parenting there. There you go. Okay, friends. So the knowledge of his will frames my hopes. Shapes my desires. Adjusts and informs my inspirations and all this other stuff. The knowledge of his will is crucial. I believe that's why the apostle is begging God for it. Like I said in the first service, in the same way that if you had a friend in the sky, in a chopper, and you're on some of my roads in North Wales, or the Amalfi Coast in Italy, you know, you can't see more than 200 yards at a time. It's all up and down, in and out. If I had a friend in a chopper up front, who is saying to me, yeah, come on, Femi, it's all clear. Let's do this. I'm a gun that bad boy so badly. <laughs> and you're going because you know it's clear. You have insight information. That's how we ought to live life. And if that guy says, no, no, no. Half a mile ahead, there's a truck. I bring it right down. Knowledge of his will. 
So let's, let's just backtrack a little bit. Just, I'm begging you, God. I'm asking you. I'm pleading you for these people. Please, please, please. Grant that they be filled copiously. That they, they be saturated and infused, oh God. With the knowledge of your will. That which you have ordained must happen. Let them know it in advance. Let them know it so well that they shape their lives around it because it is wisdom for them to do so. And give them some understanding spiritually so they don't compare it just with natural things. Oh God, please. I'm begging you for these people because they have faith in you and they love your people. I'm begging you. When last did you pray like that? When last did you pray like that? So when we read Bible prayer, it shouldn't just be dry. It should come with the emotions that caused the writer to pen it in the first place. Finally, he says in verse 10 onwards, these are the goals. So that, these are the expected results. I pray like this. I pray all these things for you so that this will happen. You will walk worthy of God, that you may walk worthy of him. You may please him in every way, that you may be fruitful in every good work, and you will increase in the knowledge of God. This is the end result. This is the goal, the target. So, God inspired Paul to pray for us so that we can please him. And do the things that he demands of us to do anyway. That shows caring to me. It shows that it means for us to succeed. He really does. But I also want to commend you to this prayer. I want to commend you to pray this for yourself. Pray for somebody else. Start a prayer group for goodness sake. Start a prayer twin. A prayer triplet. Huh? Get together, just in case you're thinking, oh, is it me only down be praying for people every day or whatever? Is it only me? You, you need that reciprocity? I understand. It's human nature. Grab somebody else and say, let's be praying this for each other. Alternate days. You're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm doing Tuesday, Thursdays only. <laughs> you have to get in there quick. <laughs> do it. Whatever you do, do it. Increasing in intimacy with God. Incredible possibilities. And then he ends with verse 11. Inner strength and character in order for us to do verse 10 well. All these things that he wants us to do. He says we need patience, long-suffering and steadfastness for it. He says I pray that God will strengthen you with all power. Every kind of power possible in order that you might be patient and long-suffering because your salvation could be around the corner. I told the story this morning, I'll tell it again. A friend of mine is a, is a PhD in sports science. He helps the army training, RAF training, and himself does a lot of wacky things, you know. He's on a BMX bike most of the time. You never guess this is a PhD. He likes to jump and cut himself to shreds with all these things, and he's incredible to watch. Matt Barlow, if you ever want to check him out. Matt Barlow, he's on there. But anyway, Matt was telling the story of helping out at training one day with the army. 
And after, after working practically all day, they're knackered. They fall over the line. I say, the, the, the drill surgeon comes out and says, no, 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 no. I know you thought this is the end, but we're going on further. Now you get a chance to choose. These are recruits. You can go home or you can go on further. We've got to do this all over again. He says, I don't remember clearly, but I think it's about half of them dropped out immediately. Oh, I'm not doing this. My mother didn't send me to die. And then the other half says, okay, let's do it. But you know what happened? Just round the corner. 200 yards around the corner, there was a truck waiting to take them all back to base. Huh? They were just checking them out for resilience. There's no going home at war, is there? <laughs> you can't just quit on the front in Afghanistan and say, I'm going home. Your salvation could be just around the corner. That's why Paul prays that you be strengthened with all power. Unto all patience and long-suffering. And it covers two bases. Patience has to do with your relationship with other humans. And long-suffering, your relationship with circumstances and situations. Go and check it out. It covers all bases. Because it wants you to make it. It wants you to never believe that it is over. Because he hasn't believed that. He's carrying on. He's praying it. He's doing it. And he's not giving up. Are you with me? Do you hear me this morning? Incredible possibilities. Your life is destined for much more than you can imagine. Why do I say so? Because this man thinks so. The same man that wrote to you about salvation, that wrote to you about healing, that wrote to you about offerings, that wrote to you about all the other things we're dealing with, is saying you have incredible possibilities. I believe it. I believe it. I believe I can know so much of God's will that I never set a foot wrong again. I believe it. And I'm gunning for it. And if I die before it happens, well, yeah, well. Pray with me this morning. Let us pray. Then I'll quit. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Mahase pray if Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, I pray for your people this morning. I pray in the name of Jesus that this will just sink in, settle in, will be engrafted in their spirits, along with all the other truths and wonderful, wonderful revelations they've been receiving and and taking in, Father, I just ask that this will grow up and become, become a, a, a way of doing life. That their focus will be, will be clarified. That they they oh, Jesus. Sorry, I just remembered. God just brought something to my uh, attention. I was at prayer, or uh, whatever you call that thing, on Thursday. Uh, metamorphosis, that's the one where we go and change, isn't it? Yes, yes. And God gave me something and I, and I thought it was just for me and it's just, it's just come to me now. And I'm thankful I wrote it down. And uh, so uh, I believe Lord, I pray that you will direct these people's gaze. I pray that you will seize their attention. I pray, oh God, you will illuminate 
whatever subjects that they're dealing with. I pray, oh God, that you will fine-tune their frequencies. I pray, oh God, that you will clarify their focus. I pray, my Father, that you will give them courage to choose when they know it is right to do so. I pray, Father, that you will give them the strength to align with the truth. And I pray, Father, that you will empower their commitment. Father, we commend ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. And the church says, Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs>